words from the hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. So this morning, as we're going to the Builder's Code, I'd like to begin um, by quickly sharing a dream I had before the end of the year. And it was the Lord speaking to me about what 2024 would look like. Um, I know I have the permission to share because I know I have the trust of Pastor Moses. I haven't shared the dream at several times on the prayer platform that I run. I had said to them, I'm going to share with you. I'm going to share with you. But I didn't feel a release from God. But while I was preparing this morning, the Lord said to me, I want you to share it with my people. Um, some days before the end of the year, I was waiting before the Lord and that night before I went to bed, I was speaking to God and God said, Isi, I want to show you my hand in the coming year. And I said, what does that look like, Lord? And we went back into scriptures and we started to study the hand of God. And the Holy Spirit began to show me different things about the workings of God's hand in the lives of people and in this world and the different dimensions of the hand of God and what it looks like when his hand comes into a situation. And he began to show me the intelligence of the hand of God. He began to show me the strategic placement of the hand of God. He began to show me the conditions upon which the hand of God will rest and stay in a place or on a person. And as we did this whole exposition, the Lord said to me, but Isi, you cannot fully understand my hand until you understand my body. You know, he said, because my hand is but a part of my body. And I said, okay, you know, I'm here for it. Let's talk about your body. And the Lord began to teach me. And before that, I said, but is your body not the church? He said, yeah, that's the body of Christ. I said, so who am I talking to exactly right now? <laughs> you know, and he said to me, he said, I am God, the maker of the heavens and the earth. And he said, there's a lot more to me that is even beyond the church. And I said, okay, you know, let, let's talk about it. And he started to say to me, before the church existed, how was I housed? You know, and he began to speak to me about his body, not being what we call a body, but his body actually being the space and the vastness from which his operations launch into creation. And he started to explain to me the outworking of the body and the structure of his body that enables a multiple dimensions of his will to be expressed in seasons and in times. And he started to relate it to Christ and um, being the word of the Lord and being manifested as a body, the Godhead made bodily. And he started to explain to me how several times the Bible referred to our bodies as estates and referred to our bodies as houses and mansions. And he started to explain to me how in the original plan in creation and order of creation, a body was not an item to showcase clothing, but a body is a house and it is a structure within which operations are built and launched. And he started to explain to me why he sought for a body and burnt offerings and sacrifices he did not want, but a body he has prepared. Because a body for God is the place from which operations happen. So when God placed bodies on the earth as you and I, what God was placing were embassies of operation on the earth. What God was placing was houses that marked his presence. This is why when um, Satan came into man and you began to see the fall of man, 
one of the things that they sought to build was Babel. And Babel in itself, Baal um, represents gate and El represents God. So they were trying to build a gate of gods because they understood that for every time that a body exists on the earth, one of the things that it must do is create pathways for its God to enter the earth. And so God began to speak to me about the need for us to build and to create, not Babel, but to create doorways upon which heaven will invade the earth. And as we had this conversation through the night, I went to bed. And I had a dream where I, it was like I was observing. So it was a vision of the Lord. I knew it was a prophetic dream as soon as I woke up. Because I woke up, I prayed, I went back in and I continued. And the Lord continued to speak. But in this dream, I saw a man. I was observing this man. He was a man of influence. He was a man of power. To put it in Christian terms, he had grace. And he was flying on his private jet. But his jet was not like a normal jet. His jet was like a war aircraft. And everywhere he flew into, people just gave him room. And he landed, first of all, in a nation, a war-torn nation. And when he landed in this war-torn nation, he, he walked confidently everywhere he went. And he went to the leaders of the nation and said to them, you know, I couldn't understand what he was saying because he was speaking in another language. And that was the thing. The man spoke in the languages of every nation. So when we got to this war-torn nation, um, later an angel was saying to me, did you hear what he said? I said, I couldn't understand. He said, let me tell you what he said. He said to the leaders of that nation, it is good for you that you were bombed and you were bombarded and you were broken. He says, now that you have been broken, rise up and go to war. Fight back. Get up. Use everything you have. Attack the nation that attacked you. And I said, but why would he say that? These guys are literally broken and they need to rebuild their land. He says, because he's the man that will stir up war in the nations. And then from that nation, we went to another nation. And the thing was, everywhere we went, the people listened to him and everyone did what he said. And then he went to another nation and this nation was um, by the sea. It had a lot of waters that bordered it. And then he said to the leaders of that nation, you have so many arsenals, you have so many weapons embedded in the sea. Why are you wasting them? Go to war. Use them to fight and establish your dominance. And he will say to every nation we went to, he will say to them, go to war because it has been written in the stars and we have observed the handwritings that 2024 is the year to go to war. And he will say to the nations, if you fight, you will win. If you rise up against your enemies, you will win. So fight and go to war. And then he will also say something to them. He will say, because your war is your worship. When you war and you release violence, that's the way you worship your God. And so he mixed his propaganda with religion. And I was observing this in the dream and I saw how every nation will rise up and do what he said. And I thought, my goodness, the whole earth is going to be destroyed. And he will move from nation to nation. Every time he was in the air, I would hear the Holy Spirit say to me, he has air superiority. And when I woke up, I said, Holy Spirit, what was that? And he said to me, he's the man that will stir up war in the nations. He says, in the dark demonic world, they have schemed and they have plotted that this will be the year of unrest for all humanity. 
that we have heard about wars and rumors of wars, but that the demonic kingdom has prepared a man and prepared a body that will have favor with all men. And everywhere he goes, people will listen to him because he will speak the language of every nation and every nation will swing open their doors to him. He says, but his purpose is to stir up war. And the Lord said to me, the Antichrist will not come until the earth is in a deep state of unrest. He says, so this is a precursor to the arrival of the man that will call himself the man of peace. He said, because the nations need to be desperate in their violence and desolation to receive a man that calls himself peace, peace, peace. He says, so this one has been raised to stir up and to prepare a way for the one that will come. And I said, Lord, what do we do? He said the answer, the solution is in what he was saying to the people. He will say to them, your warfare is your worship. Now, another thing that I saw in the dream was the flag of the nation, the flag he was bearing. And when I woke up and I checked um, those colors, I found out, you know, maybe that one I'll say to the pastors instead, no need. But nothing new. Um, but then the Lord said that, that the answer is in what he's saying. And I said, Lord, please show me what should we do as the church? How can we respond? And then I went to bed. When I went to bed, I saw a worship minister who we all know. And I was saying to the worship minister, I said to him, I said, can you see what is going on? Can you see what is happening? And he said to me, uh, is it, I said, is that that man? Look at what, and he said, oh yeah, correct man. You know, I, I, I like what he's doing. That's to tell you that even people who carry grace will be deceived. And I looked at him, I said, how can you say you like what he's doing? He said, yes. He said, everybody has to fight, everybody has to. That's why you see this, we no go agree thing. I hear it all, but I also hear it. Now today you know angry. You don't know before, say you know supposed agree. Then even the one that is not worshiping God and is not explaining everything from the spirit is shouting and no go agree. So that when the husband says to the wife, no, I don't think, ah, no, they agree. Marriages will scatter. When your boss tells you, please, this is not how, I know they agree, you will quit. So that it then leads to brokenness. It sounds funny now, but the Bible says that there is nothing that is spoken that is without an agenda. For every word has got a purpose. Even the person from whom it originated does not even know the extent of where it will go to. So no grief or devil. But know who you are fighting and who you are not meant to fight. So this um, minister said, ah, good guy. And I said, no. And I said, yes, now, but he's saying your, wash, your warfare is your worship. Ah, that's a correct thing. I said, did you listen? I said, it is not in our warfare that we worship, but it is our worship that is our warfare. I said, so he is perverting and corrupting the truth and releasing a perverted version of the gospel, and deceiving and derailing men. I said, even you, a worship minister, you were almost, and he said, wow, P.I., that is so true. You know, I didn't really think about it. Now, we're talking about the builder's code, because the solution that God gave to me is worship, and I needed to hear me, because one of the things you have to be careful about in 2024 is the tongue of the deceiver. Your eyes need to be clear, 
your heart needs to be connected to God and your ears must be sharp. If you have not been trained to hear the voice of God and to sense the movement of his spirit before now, you need to take an accelerated course. Because what is going to happen in the year 2024, it is only by discernment will be preserved. And I say this upon the authority of the Holy Spirit and the God who has spoken to me from time. And I know when I hear the voice of the Lord. And so I said to him, I said, but it is, and he said, P.I., oh my gosh, I didn't think about it. And I said to him, I said, you must teach people to worship. I said, you must teach the real meaning of worship. I said, because he's saying warfare is worship, but you must teach them how worship is warfare. I said, because only in it will we be able to counter his agenda. And then the scene closed and another scene opened. I was in front of this person's um, wife. And I said, look at the dream I had about your husband. Has he told you? She said, yes. I said, your husband has to teach. And he has to teach worship. She said, I know. She said, I know. She said, he has tried. But every time he gets to the point of building curriculum, that's where he stops because he, he's, that's not his area. And I said, ah, that is my area. I myself am a curriculum. I said, I build curriculum before I sleep for a course I don't know when I will teach. I said, let him come. I will build it for him. I will structure it. I said, he has to. I said, this is not a matter of music ministry. And I said, this is about the destiny of the earth. He must teach the people how to worship. And I woke up. And as soon as I woke up, I knew the Lord had spoken. And I said, God, so you mean that the way we are going to preserve ourselves as the church is that we could just they sing, they go. I said, that one is easy now. Because as I was waking up, I was hearing the song. When the mighty men from the tribe of Judah faced their enemies, they were told by God not to be afraid. He will win the victory. He said, he said, lift up your song and lay down your swords. For the battle is mine, says the Lord. Oh, 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 oh. Sing unto the Lord. Make a joyful sound. Lift your voices and let your praise be heard. Lift a victory song in a time of war. Trust in Jesus. The battle will be won. This was the song I woke up with. And I said, Lord, I hear you. Uh, this is why it's not good to have people from your past in your present. The revelation I'm trying to deliver, instead they are laughing that I sang on key. <laughs> Praise God. I'm paying a voice coach because it's the way we'll be preserved in 2024. Yes. You understand? Uh, my life is very purposeful. So, as I woke up with that song, I said, Lord, so it's to be singing. I don't want no hard now. And God said to me, have I now taught you what worship is? And he reminded me that the Hebrew word for worship is the word eved. And eved literally means five things. Please write it down. It first means work. It doesn't mean singing. It means work. The second meaning of Eved means worship in terms of what we know as worship. 
The third meaning of a verb, it means serve, S-E-R-V-E. The fourth meaning of a verb, it means slave, slave. And the fifth meaning of a verb, it means servant. Walk, worship, serve, slave, servant. Those are the five words that mean worship. So when you hear God say worship, he's not talking about singing. On the foundational level of worship is the work of your hands. What you are building, what you are crafting, what you are raising. Because when God made man and he put man in the garden to worship him, God did not give man a microphone. God did not give man a guitar. He didn't give him a keyboard. The first thing that God gave to man was work. He gave him the jurisdiction of function and he commanded him to till the ground and he commanded him to be productive and he commanded him to exercise himself and he commanded him to raise and build structures and he commanded him to exercise dominion and to exercise spherical authority. Only through work do you do that. In the midst of his work, he was to remain a servant to God knowing that there is no boundary in his life that is not set by God who made him. Knowing that there is no corner of his life that is not under the government of God. And I need you to hear me because part of what the Lord wants to do in your life in 2024 is to cause you to return to the foundational precepts of our faith. Because if you do not return, you will be as part of the people that are on the outskirts. And when they come to kill, the Amalekites come, they will come for the straddlers. So you cannot be a straddler in the spirit realm. You must enter back into the boundaries of the blood because in this year 2024 only those that are working those that are slaves to God those that are servants to the gospel those that are consecrated and stay in worship can truly be preserved now the Lord said to me remember the meaning of a verb and he said now let me take you back to the house that I was teaching you the night before he said tell my people to build my house he said, because when Jesus said to them in Matthew 16, I will build the church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He says, say to them that the only thing that will keep them from the attack of the gates of hell is the building of the church. The building of the church. There is no other way. There is no other way. It is not your Harvard degree. It is not how many private jets your father has. It is not how much you earn. The money in your bank account very soon will count for nothing. Very soon. This is why in this season, you must use money to buy wisdom. Use money to buy grace and strength. What do I mean? Invest it in the things that will develop you into becoming a strong man. Because in the seasons that are coming, money will not be how you define influence. We still have yet have a window to maximize money. As a, as a medium of trade. But a time is coming where what we will trade by is not money, but power. But power. Now, as he said this to me, he began to say, it's time to build, it's time to build, it's time to build. So I'm saying to you that the reason why I'm teaching you the builder's code is because the only way we as God's people can manage what is coming is that we begin to learn again what it means to work. And what it means to build divine structures that actually have resistance ability 
So that as the enemy begins to plunge forward, we understand what to do. To be in God's resistance army. It doesn't mean that you're, because your business is successful, then you are an apostle in the marketplace. That's not what it means. Because you see, what a man crafts is qualified by the spirit of the man. And the dimensions by which you build a thing determines the deity that occupies it. This is why every time God was going to build, he was very specific about dimensions. Very specific about how it should be laid. About the workings of the priest within what is built. Because the way you build a thing and the dimensions and the cultures that surround it determines the deity that we occupy it. So one man will build tall structures and it is called the temple of the living God. Another man will build and God will say, take it down because it is a gate to the gods in the second heavens. What is the difference? It is the man that builds it and the texture of his spirit and his authority where it matters. So when I tell you about building and I tell you about crafting, I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel because in the midst of it or when you do it well, you will prosper. And there is a purpose attached to the prosperity. The purpose that is attached to the prosperity is that within the window where you can yet buy and sell, you will use it to build acts of preservation. You will use it to raise storehouses of provision and you will set spiritual upper rooms where consistent encounter will happen and it will become the security system for generations and nations. I hope somebody is with me. If you, can, if you know me very well, you know I'm preaching very slowly this morning. And the reason why I'm not moving at my regular speed is because I need every ear to hear what I'm saying. Because we are in a time where God is about to cause a new set of people to spring up from the earth. And these people are not going to be marked by the regular um, parameters that we use in determining who is going to be next. As a matter of fact, God is going to defy all the algorithms, all the plotting, and all the very things that they have said will be the next set of people. God is going to raise men out of the order of consecration. God is going to raise men out of the order of faithfulness, out of the order of intercession. God is about to raise men again on the earth that are like Daniels. I'm not saying you are Daniel in Babylon because you go to church and then you got a government job. That doesn't make you a Daniel. There were certain dimensions that made Daniel Daniel. One of the dimensions of Daniel was his ability to resist the presentation at the table of the king. And so God is raising men that understand that every time they sit at tables destinies are being negotiated for. And they understand the language of spiritual negotiation. And they understand the role that their consecration plays in determining the deliverance or the captivity of a generation. These are the kind of men that are being raised on the earth right now. And so perhaps you are sitting in this crowd and you're saying to yourself, but God, I, I have tried and I did not bend here. I did not bend here, but I have come to loss. I'm telling you that your season of profit has come. Your season of profit has come because there is a God who sees it all. There's a God who takes record of it all. And 2024 is that year where it's not about God, bless me. Listen, it's not you that has to pray it this year. God himself is declaring it. Because you need it. He needs it more than you need it. But the question is, are you going to build the structures that are eternal, that are holy? It is time for us to go back and every single thing that we were taught as the precepts of our faith to translate it and include it in our structures and cultures in the things that we are building. 
So when God gives laws to the Jews and he speaks to them about how brothers should deal with brothers, that is not a religious law. That is a law you should incorporate into your HRO system. Because what is about to become will become is going to be tested by spiritual standards. Now, as I began to pray about this message, the Lord started to speak to me because where we are going to end is Jesus. We're going to end at Jesus because there is nothing in this life that can be built, that will be built outside of Christ. <laughs> and I, 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 uh, so while we go to Jesus, I want to just list out certain codes that are needed and then we enter Christ. Because as you are about to build in 2024, the Lord is reminding us of men like Moses. And Moses was a man that God used mightily. And many times we downplay what Moses did. But I need to bring it into context. Many of us today are still struggling to deliver our local government area. Many of us too today are still struggling to deliver our small estates that we are in. Live estates. Just that six houses inside that one small mini compound. All of them, terraces, we are fighting. And we are still struggling to bring government into that terrace. Some people say, I will not pay for this one, I will pay for this one. Why is this one, 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 two, one, one, one? Do you understand? Inside that small estate, why should we be charged for water? We have not been able to capture and bring into subjection the demons in men. How are we able, going, going to be able to bring into subjection principalities of our regions? I need you to understand what Moses did. Moses caused the emancipation of an entire nation to come bring a nation out of another nation and he created an entire community entity and he raised a new set of people. Listen to me. That man was powerful. That man was powerful. In a time when there were no cars, no planes, nothing for Moses to use in transporting these people. Moses moved over a million people. One man. Do you have many people on my team? I want to cry blood. That's when I remembered that I'm an introvert. I beg, I beg, I beg you people, leave me alone. I cannot even imagine how Moses did it. No wonder when he went on the mountain, small thing he saw, he broke the Ten Commandments. So that he said, I'm going back. You part too rebellious, I'm going back. Now lie. Vacation. <laughs> Wanted to escape. Why did you have to break it? That thing was written by the finger of God. How you want vex which you came down, scattered it, and an excuse to go back because it's not easy. But Moses did all of that. But when you look at the life of Moses and how God used Moses to build, and the fact that Moses became a God's builder, but God was building Moses from time. Now, you then realize that the time that Moses was born in was a time where they had ordered for all the children to be killed. And then you then realize that there was a code by which Moses' life started. And it is called the code of preservation. And God released this code over Jochebed. And the Bible says that Jochebed saw that he was a beautiful child. What exactly did Jochebed see? 
She saw a baby, yes, but she understood that there is destiny embedded within this one. There is something about the life of this child. I know that if I keep him, I am risking my life. But he is worthy of me risking everything to preserve him. Listen to me. As you enter 2024, and as God begins to command you to build, you must evoke the code of preservation. There are some people, some relationships, some situations that you must keep at all costs. Because there are certain things you will build in this year that will be held in high esteem that you will only build if you preserve the things that are critical and foundational. You have to know which ones have been given by God. I'm not talking about the friends that because they have money, they have nice car, armor, this is code of preservation. I can't risk it. No, that's not the relationship I'm talking about. What did Moses have to offer Jochebed? She had, he had nothing. He was a baby crying, pooping everywhere. When you looked at it, it looked like nonsense. It looked like rubbish. But inside of Moses was a promise, was a covenant. Inside of Moses was the heartbeat of God for the nation. Jochebed could sense it. Jochebed could feel it. I pray that the spirit of God will open your eyes and that you will see past your emotions. You will see past culture. You will see past tradition. And you will see the will of God even when it is embedded in helpless systems. There are some of you that have Moses' businesses right now. I will have said to you, this year I'm closing it down. It has nothing to offer me. Does it really have nothing to offer you or its time had not come? You have to be able to see clearly because a man that will build what will be accepted and used by God in the season that is coming must understand the code of preservation. There are some people you cannot lose and I need you to hear me very well. I know that you see on Instagram, people will dress up and look nice and the fan will be blowing their hair as a symbol of peace. They say, you know, and they'll hold one avocado because it is the symbol of health. You know, I just, I'm living my best life. And anybody, I just want to say to you in this new year, anybody who is going to affect your mental health, cut them off. Are they affecting your mental health? Or are they correcting your mentality? Which one of the two? Because now, we, Pastor Moe is laughing with his head down. Pia has come to scatter his church. Please, can I, can I speak the truth? Because the truth is, Kele Askiba Ashantikabaye, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Out of the abundance of the heart flows the affairs of life. You can never go past the state of your heart. You can never grow past the state of your mind. Satan understands these principles. So what he does is that he releases a widespread attack upon the minds of men. And so every time truth is preached, let me tell you something. The demons must scream. And the screaming of demons is not, ah, come on, come on. How many people have you seen doing that one recently in church? Let me tell you, it happens, or don't get me wrong, it still happens. But let me tell you something. Sometimes the screaming is, what is the meaning of all this? All these pastors don't understand. Sometimes I just wish that people, Kalika, Mauske, Bakaya, gather yourself. Gather yourself and go back to the word and ask yourself by the standards of scripture, is there truth in what is being said? Come on. Come on. When the believers become weak people, when the believers
us become people that did not know how to keep what should be kept and forgo of what should be let go of. We do not keep things in the physical. We keep it in the spirit. I don't keep my relationships in the physical because in the physical, I am not very relational. I may not call you for five months, but I love you deeply. That's how I am. So I have struggled through the years until the Lord said to me, you are struggling in the flesh. He said, people don't love you because of how you look. People love you because of who they know you to be. There are joker beds that we abide with you because God has shown them that there is content in this empty or weak container. Keep it. You must do the same with your life. You must break into the place where you forgo demonic earthly standards. Because consistently we have been communicated with. Satan is not relenting in communication. And a lot of Christians have become cowards. Because if you speak, you will be attacked. But guess what? Attack me now, but thank me in heaven. It is fine. Because nobody on earth can reward me for my service. Nobody. You don't know my labor. You don't know my struggle for your life. So my, the man that I stand before is Jesus. You understand what I'm talking about? So the code of preservation... You must understand it and you will pray and you will ask the Lord, Father, open my eyes. In the year 2024, I declare that I will see as God sees. I will hear as God hears. I will not judge from the hearing of the ears or the sight of the eyes. But in righteousness, I will bring justice to every aspect of my life in the name of Jesus. Hmm. The second code that God used in building Moses until Moses became his builder was the code of identification. So Jochebed realized that yes, I have to keep this child and he was kept. But there was something that happened to Moses. The Bible says that when Moses became 40, a staring began to happen in him. He said Moses woke up one day and he said, I would rather be called one of the slaves than to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Hi, there is something about identity because you do not build according to what your skills can do. You build according to who you are because the vision by which men build, it comes from a deep place in their spirit. People wake up overnight. How can a man from a prison wake up from a prison and build a storage system that could take care of the nations of the world for seven years? How does a prisoner do that? Who gave him the intelligence? Who gave him the knowledge of engineering? Who gave him the skill and the capacity? Is it not God? It is from within that it comes. The blueprints, the dimensions, the patterns. So if your identity is already broken, you are going to release a broken blueprint. If your identity is already shattered, you are going to release half-measured dimensions. And that's why when I talk about praying yourself into life, I am not, I'm not picking a message of condemnation. I am telling you the truth. Isaiah 61. The Bible declares that the Spirit of the Lord God Almighty is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel. And the first outworking of the gospel that Jesus mentioned as prophesied by Isaiah is the healing of broken hearts. Jesus did not come for girls whose boyfriends left them. That's not the healing of broken heart. Because the heart of a man is the place of vision. It's a place of strength. It's a place of power. It's a place of imagination. So what Jesus did was, I have come to preach the gospel, but I cannot 
lay the weight of the gospel upon a man who has a cracked soul. He will not be able to bear it. So the first thing I have to do is to restore identity. I must restore strength. I must restore vision. I must restore hope. And it is upon all of that that I then begin to show the man, now let us enter into deliverance. Is somebody with me? So when I tell you that in this year you must contend for the truth of God on the inside of you, it's because this is exactly what you are going to need to carry the building structures that God is releasing. This is what you're going to need. So you must pray prayers like my God. I recognize that there are things that have happened to me that have affected the way that I see and they have corrupted the way that I imagine. I recognize that I'm bombarded by information whether on Instagram, whether on Netflix, on the news and the information has affected my imagination. So that when you are commanding me to imagine structures that you want to build, I cannot see the way you see it. So Lord, I ask that you heal me. Heal my soul, heal my mind, heal my heart. Restore me, oh God, to the original setting of your will. Who you saw me to be before I was released into the womb of my mother. Take me back there in the name of Jesus. You have to pray prayers like this. Listen to me. Any believer you see that is powerful, any man or woman of God that has authority, ask them. They will tell you the truth. These are the prayers they prayed. They fell on their knees. They got to days when they found out that, look, if I follow my father's house, if I follow my mother's house, I will not be able to build anything that will be accepted by God. They went into fasting for 21 days, 40 days. It wasn't for money. It wasn't for cars. It was for healing and restoration. Healing of their bloodline. Healing of the patterns of their life, the cycles of their lives. This is what great men prayed for because they knew that the seed of greatness is already inside them. But there are things that keep the seed from coming forth. And these are the things you need to break so that identification will come forth. When you arrive at the code of identification, that is when you start to make some really powerful decisions. That is when you can look some people in the face and say, you know what? I'm ending this. I'm not doing it anymore. What? Do you know what it means to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter? You should be grateful that you were even brought into the palace. Then you say, no, thank you for your palace. But I would rather be called the slave to the covenant of God than to sit here and collect thousands of dollars and sell my soul to the devil. When you enter into this code, you are getting ready. You are getting ready. Because a priest that has no sacrifice in his hand cannot command the altar. A priest that brings to comes to the altar without a sacrifice cannot command the altar. And the altar is where kings are born. There is no man that is anointed for authority that is not taken before an altar. None. The gods must accept you. And so when you want to become a person that is accepted by God, to be his man and his legal representative in this season of the earth, the question is, where is your sacrifice? But sacrifice does not happen until you evoke the code of identification. And you say to yourself, these are my lines and these are my boundaries. And I am putting boundaries for the sake of God, for his kingdom and for the things that are about to be built. After the code of identification, you must enter the code of encounter. When many of you hear about the encounters that men have, you say, oh, this is nice. Oh, wow. Ah, Pia, I just really wish that ah, I can be going to heaven like you. What is an encounter? 
An encounter is an open door. It's an open gate. It's an open space. And it is the spirit of a man to be able to sense the opening of the spirit of God. And for the two to merge and become one. To the point where the man's mind can retain the experiences that he had. That's an encounter. So, the question is, why are you not getting it? Is there something about the doors in your life? Is there something about the gates of your home? Is there something about the entryways of your soul? Is there something about your submission and dedication to God? Because you see, God is perpetually speaking and is constantly inviting us to dine with him. The question is, why are you hungry? The question is, why are you broken? Why are you thirsty if your father is a river? Why are you hungry if your master is the bread of life? Is it possible you are not sitting at his table? Is it possible you are not staying and waiting for him to bring the bread to you? Why are you where you are? Hear me. Moses might have separated himself, might have said, yes, I identify who I am. I know who I am. There's greatness on the inside of me. Which is the deception of our generation. Everybody is great. Everybody is a pastor. Everybody is a minister. Everybody has a word. Listen to me. Just because you are identified by God does not yet mean you carry the capacity to deliver God to a people. P.I. said it. Because you see, the dimension of God that you present is determined by the dimension of God you have experienced. That's why the Bible says that the, the God who I have handled, who I have touched, who I have experienced, that is what I preach to you. Many of us are jumping upon prophecy that has no proven record of experience. Listen, you will need encounters in this year. But I'm not talking about the ones you pursue. Because I don't pursue encounters. I don't go saying, God, you know, tonight I just want flower to fall in the room. It's beautiful when it happens, trust me. Jesus has taken me to many places before that have completely changed my life. And I, I can't even explain it to people how I can go to bed one person and wake up a different person. It's called the power of an encounter. But I didn't go chasing them. I chased the master. And the master took me to where he was. And when I found him in where he is, I became like he is. There are weaknesses you are bearing. All you need is an encounter. There are fears you have. All you need is an encounter. Because God will tell you, go and tell my people and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. He will tell you to go back and face your greatest fear this year. <laughs> face your greatest fear. You will go back to the pharaohs of your life. You will go back to the pharaoh places. You will go back to the pharaoh nations. And God is going to send you back to release people from the thing that he has released you from. But the only way you will have strength and conviction to do that is that you will encounter God who is bigger than Egypt and bigger than Pharaoh. Because if those places are still great in your eye, when you get there, you will look at your wife and say, okay, let's just remain here. It's not so bad now. Look at their structure. Look at the architecture. There's money, there's gold, there's life. If I just need and beg my brother, he will forgive me. God must first show you that he's greater than all of these things. 
So that when he sends you into it, you will not be taken by it. So you need an encounter. What happens at encounters? At encounters, men are reborn. At encounters, men are renamed. God changes your name and changes the way that you are called in the spirit realm. According to the order of inheritance, God repositions you during encounters. At encounters, God shows you the supernatural. And God tutors you on how to birth the supernatural at places of encounters. At places of encounters, God will show you the serpent within the root of your life. Because Moses was holding a rod, and the, name, the rod is called mate in Hebrew. And that Hebrew word for mate does not only mean rod, it also means tribe. So within Moses' hand, he was holding both a rod, and he was holding his Levitical priesthood. But what Moses did not know is that the rod that he was leaning upon and using to chase all the animals contained within it a serpentine dimension. Now, there are two aspects to that. On one aspect, Moses had run in his own strength initially and went to kill an Egyptian to save the children of Israel. That means on the inside of Moses, there is still that pride that wants to rise up and do the will of God, but by your own strength and strategy. That's the nature of the serpent. He doesn't deny that Jesus is Lord. Though. If you meet the devil today, he's not going to tell you, oh, your master is not your master. It's a lie. He said, demons believe and they tremble. Yes. He's going to say, yeah, yeah, he's Lord. But let me tell you something. He's not a good Lord. He's not a kind Lord. He will fail you. He's not a faithful Lord. He will not deny that he's Lord, but he will try to pervert the knowledge of his Lordship. So inside of the rod that Moses was carrying was a dimension of the serpentine operation and he did not know it. Also within that his Levitical priesthood, Moses did not know what the priesthood of the Levite was like because he was not raised within the camp of the Israelites. He was raised within the camp of Egypt. So even though he carried a mate that also represented that he was a priest, but the only priesthood that Moses knew was the priesthood of the serpent, which is the God of the Egyptians. So even though he held that rod and he used that rod to shepherd his sheep successfully, God had to deal with the rod. Because if Moses had shown up in Egypt with that rod the way it was, he would have been using his Egyptian sorcery to try to defeat the Egyptians and it would not work. So God had to change his priesthood. It was called an accelerated priesthood training. So while he stood there before the burning bush, till today we don't know how long, we just knew he was before the bush. So some people say it's two hours. We don't know. But we know it was before the bush. And so while he was there, God said to him, what is in your hand? He said, it's my priesthood. It's my rod for shepherding. It's my history. It's my lineage. My father's house, my mother's house, my labor. Because the, the shepherds will always write on their rod all the things that they had experienced. The rod was also a record of the journey of the shepherd. It's my journey. And God said, throw it all down. Throw it all down. You've been a leader in a church before. Throw it all down. You feel you've read the Bible five times so no pastor can preach it. Throw it all down. You feel that, yeah, my father was a most high reverend deacon. Therefore, I also throw it down. Because Moses, what you're about to do, nobody has done it before in your household. What you're about to touch, your bloodline will disqualify you. Where you're about to enter, your history and experience will disqualify you. For I'm about to take you into a place 
and into a new realm of experience, existence, and working that you have never touched before. The only way you can do it is if you throw it down. I'm not going to take the rod from your hand, says the Lord. I'm going to let you in your own will to throw it down yourself. God is asking that in your own will, you choose to submit to him. Until this code of submission bets encounter, you are not ready to build. And after the code of encounter, you then begin to realize that God says to Moses, now I will restore. Moses' assignment is restored to him by the code of restoration. There are some of you that have lost gifts. You have lost talents. You have lost your calling. You have lost your placement in the church. There are some people that are sitting in this crowd. People are greeting you after service. I say, oh brother, welcome to church. How was the service for you? Did you learn anything? You two, you are answering, yeah, yeah, it was a good sermon. Meanwhile, you are a powerful intercessor. You that you used to preach to 10,000 people. You that you were saving souls from the age of 19. Brother, where is your fire? Sister, where is your utterance? You that you used to dream, plus the one that concerns you and the one that does not concern you, you will see everything together. You did not only used to dream, you had the grace for interpretation. Where is your fire? God wants to restore you. Because there are things you have to build for him this year. That until you are restored to the order of your office, you cannot dare to build a nation for God. So God says, Moses, restoration time is here. Go back. You have to leave Jethro's house. It's been a place of safety for you. Now leave and go. Because this man that you think is blessing you, someday you will bless the man by the things you will create. Moses goes with his wife. And on his way, the next code is evoked, which is called the code of consecration. Just because you are called, separated, and you have encounters, are you consecrated? At the code of consecration, God will literally draw blood from you. <laughs> if you have not prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, till you ask yourself, is this prayer working? Know that you have not started praying. If you are still in the place where you say, you know, once I just ask the Lord, like, I'm just Jesus, baby. <laughs> I'm happy for you. Look at your neighbor. Tell them, God will draw blood. If their face is too strong and she's not even looking at you, tap her, sister. Uncle, sir. Apostle, say I should tell you, God will draw blood. Yes. Yes. You know why? The life of a thing is in the blood. There are some things that bear witness on the earth. Blood is one of the things that bears witness. There's water, there's spirit, and the blood. So when, you want, when God wants to witness his covenant with you, blood must be involved. But for a man who will build for God and will be a deliverer on the behalf of Elohim, it is not the blood of animal. It is the blood of covenant by consecration through circumcision. God will call for your foreskin. God will call for the covering of your private matters. And God will tell you, hey, yeah, aha, uh -huh, yes, 
Oh no, Lord, I worship you. God is like, mm, after skimaha, go back and touch pornography. Yes, brother, yes. And God is like, and you are like, Lord Jesus. God is like, after you finish shouting, can we deal with your pornography issues? After you finish screaming, can we deal with the fact that you, you flirt? You are flirted, flirted, so tell you, you flirt with yourself. You don't even know that you are flirting anymore. You will see somebody like me and post after this message and say, woman of God, your page is really good. <laughs> and then when devil now wants to move you too much, you try to touch my chain. You got something. I saw that. Who be your mate? You have done it so much that you don't even know you are doing it anymore. So even though... <laughs> Please, can I tell you? Can I go on? Yes. So even though, and this is not just men, aunties, why you are shouting, ha! let us look at ourselves. Because there are some sisters that are married, but are married. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yes. You are a safe haven to every man. There's one sister I heard that she said she, her assignment is to pastors. Because pastors don't have a place of release and who to talk to. So she feels her assignment is to men of God. You know, to just be there for them and like, you know, coach them. Coach yourself. You want to ask yourself, what is that thing? What is that thing that inspires you to break certain holy boundaries without the moving of your conscience? God will draw blood. Because you see, where you are going to, you are going to the house of astrologers. You are going to the seat of sorcery. This is where people look at you and they see four generations behind you. They look at you, they will hire you for a job when you don't even have a CV. And don't tell you, I just like you, is a lie. They have seen your star. And they know that in two years coming, if you partner with them, their house will prosper. You are moving to men like Laban. And men like him and who consult with the stars. Because when I tell you you're about to build, you will build and you will blow. But the question is, do you understand the rules of engagement in the houses you are about to engage with? So God has to pull it out quickly. And so his wife, who was sharp, took the knife and cut the foreskin of their son. And threw it on Moses, a bloody husband, a bloody man you are. From that day, the wife already knew this one. Ah, where will they go? It go hard. But she followed. You need some covenant people. In the day when God is about to kill you and you are still wallowing in your emotions, they will see it for you and they will make the needed sacrifice to save your life. Not the time that will remind you again and again. You remember how I cut the skin of our son to save you? No. She understood that an angel has been released to deal with this man. Even though he's called by God, his life has been demanded for in the courts of heaven. Because he's about to go and tell Pharaoh, the representative of a deity, to release God's people where he himself has not met the order of his priesthood. Please, I need you to hear me. So this year, when you wake up 3 a.m. and you cry, save me, Lord. Mercy, Lord. Save me, Lord. Mercy, Lord. Nobody needs to understand. But you understand that for every groaning of your spirit, for every cry, for every pressing, every pushing, every holy determination, you are growing in authority and you are increasing your sphere of influence. 
When people see you, they don't know what makes you. Call me broken, call me weird. It is my weirdness and sensitivity that gives me powerful prayer points. Nothing passes my eye, I pray about it. You understand? I pray about it. Before I tell a person you are angry with you, I will pray for two weeks. Huh. Which code? Pastor Mo is eyeing me. It's time for Thanksgiving. <laughs> I cannot end this message, unfortunately. After consecration, there's proclamation. There's manifestation. The code of separation. The code of relationships. The code of transition. The code of law. The code of war. And the code of legacy. I could explain all of this, but maybe another time. But, yes, part two. But, I need you to hear me, please. In Matthew 16, Jesus stood with his disciples. The target in Jesus' mind was that these guys were going to build a church for him. And please, I need you to understand the guys I'm talking about. These were fishermen who did not even understand what the purpose of the mission was. These were guys who the only thing they were calculating was profit for God. While Peter was busy managing Jesus' security system and telling him, now, Jesus, when you have got into a ministry, you need bodyguard. You cannot be walking alone. You need men with walkie-talkie. Messiah coming, Messiah coming. Yes. Messiah going to peace, hallelujah. Move, clear the way, clear the way. Jesus was managing the security. It's like what church I went to. At one point, I had to pause. I said, please, please, remove like 10 people from this entourage. Oh, this is the way I said, please, please, remove it. I said, it just feels so weird. I'm walking into the hall like 15 people will fail past me. I will not be coming like this. There are another 15 behind me. Then God forbid we not get to heaven. I say, I have only one angel. Hi, one bina. So I say, please. And the worst part is if I just tell, I'll just tell the protocol. Oh, please, I want to ease myself. She say, okay, I think it's only me and the girl. Next thing, 10 people will just stand up. I'll just see four people. But she want a peace. She want a peace. <laughs> I say, what is happening? There's a reason why it's called privacy. Do you understand? So I had to beg them. I say, please, remove 90% of your people. I need only one. Thank you very much. <laughs> Peter was managing security system. Because in his mind, man, we have arrived. All the days of being mocked, all the days have come. Judas was plotting. How are we going to make money? Jesus, we have to start doing match. You understand? The bread of life. We'll draw a loaf of bread in front. Jesus said, great idea, great idea. Then Matthew was already calculated. We need to get our books right, policies. We need policies in this ministry. You know, things must be done according to order, excellence. Jesus said, well done, Matthew. Well done, you're trying. All of them were there. Then Luke was telling him, Jesus, we need to watch your diet. Because we see that you're always going for parties, turning water to wine, eating bread, carbohydrate, carbs are not good for you, master. Jesus, everybody was doing the one that they had talent to do. Jesus was looking at them. And they thought that that was how ministry we run. And then they came into Caesarea Philippi in Matthew 16. And as they crossed into a location and a time, 
Jesus began to throw questions at them. And I'm sure they thought, Jesus, what's going on? But there is a region you enter into and a gate of time you cross. Your engagement with the Lord will change. Everything becomes a question. God will start to ask you, why do you dress like this? Why do you talk like this? Why have you kept this friend? Why are you building like this? What God will begin to question. And when the season of questioning comes, that is when some people fall out of the faith. But listen to me. The questions of God are to provoke the right answers from you. So that God may bring you into a higher place of trust and authority. Don't back down. Don't back down. He's your master. If you fail the exam, he go teach you again what to do. Don't back down. He said, who do men say that I am? And they told him, this is who they say you are. They were talented at saying what other people said. This is the message, Pastor Moses Pete, Pastor ID, Pastor Nigel, Apostle AC, Joshua Selma, Ah, Rockbo. Hey, where's your own message? Who do you say that I am? Jesus begins from the external and he journeys to the internal. Because the external does not have what it takes. He says it's not what goes into a man that makes the man great or weak. It is what comes out of the man. Because what goes out of you doesn't have the power to change or default. But your processing system on the inside is what determines what you can build on the outside. And you see great men that build great things. I'm telling you they are great inside. Some are great in manipulation, but they are great. Are you hearing me? They are great. They have something that you don't have. So Jesus said, but who do you say? Who do you? When you come into a season where you begin to feel as if, do I even really know Jesus? Do I, do I, I don't even feel like, listen, be careful of satanic confidence. Demonic confidence. You stand here, they are worshipping. How great is our God. You know when they release the song, You've done that number five times. You know, so it's not really, you understand. You know, you've seen churches. You don't get blessed by, you know, you need deep people to preach for you to be blessed. Auntie, the depth of a sermon is not in the preacher. It's in the hearer. Anybody can stand on this stage and say, Jesus is Lord, and it will break my heart. Because I will not hear the dexterity, but I hear the weight of the person's consecration and conviction concerning the Lordship of Christ. The apostle said, I did not come to preach to you in the multiplicity of words or in the abundance of the wisdom of men. Simple words presenting a simple gospel to you. Yet he was effective as an apostle. Please be careful. So Jesus said, who you, 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 who do you know me to be? And as he went further on, only one man out of 12, only one man out of 12, do the multiplication. So maybe only 12 out of 144 people will actually be able to sit down in a room and truly know Jesus. This is why rapture will shock the church before it shocks the world. Only one out of 12 that was laboring, journeying, sowing seeds, only one actually knew who the master was. And he said, you are Jesus, the son of the living God. And he said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. That means flesh and blood can speak. That means flesh and blood has doctrine. That means earthly, worldly things have a voice. And the voice of flesh and blood is not only in the world. It is in the church. It is in the church. This disciple.
disciples were walking with Jesus, the Messiah and the pastor of the church. Yet when he asked them questions, 99.9% of them spoke from flesh and blood, even though they were moving with the one who in himself is the embodiment of spirit and life. How did only one person know how to break into the fullness of the spirit and connect? And he said, because of this, this place you have entered, he said, this is the rock upon which you can build anything for me that will be able to resist the enemy of your time. Many of us want to build by external factors when the very foundation of our building is Christ within us. Christ within us. Jesus is the source code of every algorithm by which creation happens in this world is the source code of every equation that has caused technological advancements in this life. We know him as a savior that bled, but do you know him as a creator that draws the expanse of the skies? Do you know him as the intelligent engineer that crafted where the earth should balance and where the sun and the moon should stand? Do you know Jesus as the foundational ruler of the boundaries of nations as the chief government of all governments that exist. Do you know him as the oceanographer that put the fish and all the creatures in the sea and yet spoke to the oceans and gave them their boundaries? We are worshipping a God we don't know. And as long as you cannot worship him in spirit and in truth, you will not receive his power. As long as you worship him only in your singing and prayer, but not in your thoughts, you will not have the grace that he has. When you see people crafting things, and you say, Ayusha, you are very, listen, don't ever let anybody mock you for your intentionality and your ability to be present. It is part of the attributes of a God. A God creates a God builds, a God erects, a God has imagination and knows how to convert imagination to manifestation. Build. Build. This is our dominion mandate. But what you will build upon is the rock of the knowledge of Jesus. Jesus, because you did it, I can do it. Because you want to do it, then I will do it. I can by the power that it has worked within me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I build by the strength of my king. This should be your anthem in 2024. This should be the chorus of your spirit. This should be your song and your worship. This should be your dedication and your commitment. Your servanthood, your service, your slavery to the gospel. These are the things that will give you power to resist the armies of hell. Some of you here are going to set up organizations that God will be the one that tells you what to call them, what the mission, the vision, the mandate. You will not hire those companies that people hire for strategy sessions. Some of you will call priests into a room and you are not calling them to come and dedicate chair and table, but you are calling them to give you spiritual strategies and pathways for advancement in your business. This is the next level. This is the next order. Every time kings were going to build, they called the priests. What is the Lord saying? 
the kings never advanced or decided what their military strategy should be without the consultation of the priests. It is changing again. The order of kings and priests. This is the way we are going to preserve the nations. This is the way we are going to fight the spirit of deception and erect structures of preservation. So Father, in the name of Jesus, glorify yourself. Because my only hope is that in my words, I glorify you in the hearts of your people. My only hope is that in my words, oh God, men will receive from you and men will see you and men will hear you and men will become all over the earth. Father, glorify yourself in your people that out of the people of this house, that out of the people in this church, that out of everyone that will hear this sermon, let there be a holy fire staring upon the inside of them. Take them through the journeys of the codes of building that at every point in their lives in 20 2024 that they will stand and they will watch and ask themselves what code am I evoking at this point in my life father I pray you will raise men that understand spiritual cultures spiritual traditions spiritual systems and spiritual protocols in the name of Jesus I rebuke the spirit of deafness I rebuke the spirit of dumbness I rebuke the deadness in the heart and the soul I call oh God for liberation in the hearts of your people that to anyone whose heart has been broken to anyone whose soul is fragmented to anyone whose mind has been shattered by previous failures and previous experiences of shame I command that demon that hides in the cracks of the soul and in the cracks of trauma I command it to come out in the name of Jesus I command healing in the house I command restoration in the house from the roots of their being from the roots of their souls from the roots of their mind let great men arise out of them I decree and I declare that healed and wholesome men and sons and daughters arising out of this house and this generation in the name of the Lord Jesus I pray oh God that you will teach your people how to call down fire not just fire for their enemies but fire for their purification fire for holiness fire for restoration fire for the altar fire for truth teach them to be men and women of fire in the name of Jesus that as we advance oh God against the enemy we will advance by the belt of truth not being taken by the deception of hell but with hearts that are guarded by the shield of righteousness with heads that are secured in the very systems of salvation with feet that are short ready to make the journey of the gospel and the good news of Jesus carrying in our hands the sword of the spirit let us advance oh God as a mighty army of consecrated kings and priests Building structures, erecting businesses, starting up schools, building hospitals, raising food industries, food banks that are all geared towards restoring the dignity of humanity and expanding the kingdom of God upon the earth. Raise this people, oh God. If you are here, raise your hand and say, I am here, Lord. I am here, Lord. I am here, Lord. Use me to build your kingdom. May it be done unto you according to your faith. In the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org. 